HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Not joined, as usual, with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez because of scheduling issues. So now that she's opening, uh, you know, a restaurant over there, the Pasta Flyer, she's got to actually deal with scheduling issues like a real human being. Playing the part of Nastasia the Hammer Lopez today is... Drack, oh, Drack, Jack Shram. Jack Fr- frankly, I'm okay with Drack. Drack. That sounds great. Like yeah. That? yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, Jack, for those of you that don't, he's been on the show several times. For those of you that don't know Jack, uh, Jack was the uh, head. Bar- well, first was a food studies graduate at NYU. Then went to go work, because it's not really your style. Inexplicably for Milk Bar. Not that I don't like Milk Bar, but I mean, yeah, I don't you know, I, I didn't know what my style was yet. Okay, frankly. fair, fair. Uh, came on to Booker and Dax as a barback, worked his way up to head bartender. Then when we closed, went to Nomad, became a bartender at Nomad. And if if we start a new project together, if... We may or may not we, start a new project. Yeah, if, let's say, with Don and you know some other good people who I won't mention, if yeah. we're going to start a project soon, if that were to happen, Jack might or may not be like integral, the integral player... We'll see. You yeah. know, who knows? Oh. Yeah. So uh, I know people have called in before for uh, old BDX specs, or probably even, I don't know if you're allowed to release Nomad specs. What's the. No, definitely not. Okay. Those are mine. Okay. But Booker and Dax, like, even if they're not yours at Booker and Dax, we're open sourceware. Absolutely. Bar. So if you all want a Booker and Dax. I have them queued up, yeah. downloaded, no internet issues. And they then, exist, it, you know, if you so. want, if, like, am I allowed to talk about Smoley and the Nomad Shake? I think I've already mentioned it on the air before. Is that an allowable thing to talk about? I'm, I think that's fine. Right. Just talk about how great Smoley Shake is and leave it at that. Okay. And uh, I don't know, uh, Dave, have we talked about that before? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Speaking of, we got Dave in the booth. Oh, hey there. What's uh, up, Dave? How you doing, Dave? Mm, good. How are you guys? Good. 
Doing Good. great. Cool, Good. cool, great. Uh, yeah. All right, so call in your questions uh, to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. By the way, people, I want you to know, we also asked... Because really, you need to replace Nastasia with two people, not one people. Yeah, Even though she says nothing, the evil energy she brings into the room. Too just, strong. Just so strong. True. Dave, true. true or false? I mean, you're here all the time. Like, the evil energy she brings into the studio gets me wound up like, 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 like nobody's business, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. So it takes, like, it takes like a nation of people to get me as lathered up. To hold you back. As I would, yeah. Nation. Despite her villainy, though, I'm so excited about Pasta Flyer. It's so great. The Times review is awesome. Yeah, so, so here's this is Nastasia Lopez in a, in a nutshell. She's sitting here. Of course, she's reading something on her phone instead of listening. Uh, last week, as Pasta uh, Flyer's review comes out in the New York Times. By the way, New York Times very rarely right rates that style of restaurant. Quick, yeah. quick, casual, casual. New York Times heard of it. New York Times. Yeah. Then she's like, I'm like. She's like, after, right after the mics turn off, she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we got reviewed in the New York Times. I'm like, dingus, dingus. You had a platform. You had a platform. She's like, nah. That's Nastasia. She also had another platform. It was the New York Times. So yeah. I, think, I think she'll be okay. She'll be okay, but I mean, like, you know, take a chance yeah. to crow a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Nastasia, like, as much as she will cut down somebody else mm. and crow about herself personally when you're sitting with her alone, never crows in public. No, no cr- public crowing. And you know what? I respect that about her. But at the same time, this is a cool thing. You should talk about it. You should talk about it. Do you think she doesn't crow because she is because she doesn't want someone to shove it down her throat later? I don't know. I, I think that's just her personality. Mm. You're so charitable. You could Jack be right. Is a, Jack is the most charitable. Per, you know. Let me ask you. Like for all of you who don't know, Jack worked first like in two different. Very high-functioning but punishing environments, Momo and Nomad, right? And Nomad, by the way, run by Leo uh, Robichek on the bar side. Friend, I admire him immensely, not punishing because he's evil, punishing because he's exacting. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Made me a way better human being and especially a way better bartender. Yeah. So. And, uh, but punishing, right? And then yes. uh, Momo, also Momofuku, yes. pun- punishing. Differently punishing. Differently punishing. Mm-hmm. But if you can weather that and still be and still give someone uh, another human being the benefit of the doubt, well, yeah, kudos, kudos, Jack. All right, so we got some questions in. Uh, let's got take a caller a, on the line. Actually. Oh, we got a caller. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave. It's Matt from Mystic. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Good. How's the spins all treating? Let, uh, it's fantastic. Good. It spins everything. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not some. All. all no. and, but let me let me, just, right. let me just tell you something. Uh, the next product, which I'm not going to talk about, but the next Booker and Dax product, which specifically I will not talk about, was going to be the third in my Zal trilogy. So I, I was, Can I guess what it was? No, because I'm not going <laughs> to confirm or deny. So it's going to be in the Zal trilogy. And I was extremely depressed because Chris from Hong Kong, our, our, our Chinese um, uh, uh, liaison, mm-hmm. right, informed me that the third Zoll is already a trademarked product. <sighs> and so the third installment of the trilogy can only be known unofficially as the Zoll. Anyway, so I'm very depressed about that. But go ahead, Matt. What was your question? Uh, well, I wanted to ask Jack about what the specs for the Struggler were from oh, yeah. back in the Booker, Booker and Dax days. Was the Struggler yours or Nick's, Jack? The Struggler is an Ann Robinson Oh, classic. it's Ann's? Yes. I love Ann. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling it up right now. 
So this, the funny thing about the Struggler is it's the least Booker and Dax cocktail that has ever been on the Booker and Dax that, menu. Because uh, Anne Robinson. Yeah. Because Anne is like, Anne, by the way, for those of you, where, like, how many programs does she run now? Uh, she does cocktails for Andrew Carmelini wherever he needs her to do so cocktails. All, okay. all the NoHo hospitality. Okay. So it's a big deal. She's a big deal. She's yeah. good. Anyway, she is the most friendly, stubborn person I know. <laughs> how stubborn is Anne Robinson? Uh, fully. As stubborn as I am, almost. Yeah, differently, but absolutely. I mean, and mm-hmm. do you know anyone more stubborn than I am? No. No. So, like, like me neither. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so. All right. So, the specs for the struggler is two dashes of orange bitters. We use Regan's at the bar. Uh, a bar spoon of. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do, first of all, why did that happen? I love Gary Regan, yeah. right? I have a perfectly Hi, good orange. What? Hey, Hi. I. Hello. I have a perfectly good orange bitters recipe. Why didn't we not use it? You guys are too... I'm not going to say you were too lazy. Not you personally too lazy. But it takes literally 45 minutes to make a, like a year's worth of orange bitters. That's true. And we did it sometimes. Do you like the Regans better? I like mine better. I'm just saying. But it's mine. I like both. We need to make it again. It's been too long. I actually only ever made one batch of it ever. And then we used it for a long time. But it, it didn't... We. I remember there being a problem with some kind... like. Something with pectin, I had to spin it a bunch of times. It was kind of a nightmare the one time, one of the times I did it. I obviously screwed something up. You add the SPL so. at the get-go, yeah, let yeah, it yeah, settle. Yeah, I, I, I didn't add the SPL at the get-go, and then I was like, what's going on? What is this? What? So that's the problem. All right. So Go ahead. We'll do it again. Okay. okay. So orange bitters of your choice, two dashes, whatever you like. A bar spoon of framboise, so raspberry liqueur. Which, also, by the way. not Booker and Dax, but. P.S. We... Didn't we have to buy it, or did we, like... like? No, that's something we inherited. We inherited that whole shelf of rando liqueurs, and then we ended up buying raspberry liqueur because of this drink. What did we use? The uh, Roth... Um, what did we the use? The Rothman? Yeah. I, I think so. No, I think it was the Massenez. Okay, go ahead. All right. So, bar spoon framboise. I, do you, by the way, we were open for fi- over five years. Yeah. Right? And we never ran through that inherited shelf of liqueurs. No, we did not, ever. Uh, all right, I'm going to start over and say the whole spec. Right. So that I will not interrupt. Sense. All right. Uh, two dashes orange bitters, a bar spoon framboise, a half ounce of Dolan Blanc, three quarters of an ounce of Bonal, and two ounces of bourbon. We used Old Forester 86. Now, Perfect. If, if, you yeah. don't, if you don't want to go out and buy yourself a bottle of framboise, what do you think about, what do you think about making your own, uh, like just taking some raspberry jelly, 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 not jam. I was doing no. a, a demo not preserves. where someone but not preserves because you're trying to get something that's totally clear, mm-hmm. right? And adding a finite amount of that to one of the base ingredients and then dissolving it in. Like what about making – let's say you want to make a lot of this over time. Yeah. What about making like a raspberry bourbon? You only have to add a little bit because you only have to make yeah. up for a bar spoon of this stuff. I think you might end up adding more sweetness than you're looking for. What do I mean, mean I guess you don't need to – Well, but depends on how much you add. Yeah. And you got a whole bottle of raspberry bourbon. Though, here's what, here's that, what I would do. I would know, take, sometimes you just want bourbon. I would take 300 or 200 mils of the mm. bourbon, dissolve into it like a couple of, you know, like, you know, three spoons of it and make like a, a raspberry bourbon syrup. Mm-hmm. And that you could probably use in more stuff than you could use for amboise, no? Yeah, that's probably true. What are you going to go, go spend, what? How much is a bottle of the... Uh, I don't know. And if you're buying the good yeah. stuff, it's expensive, right? If you're buying the nasty mm-hmm. stuff, why are you pouring it into your drink? Yeah. You may consider buying the St. George raspberry liqueur because that is delicious. They make a great product. All right. So, 
All right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Matt? Um, oh, so one other thing I was wondering is, uh, so like in the Dr. J, when you milk wash the rum, yeah, uh, can you could you just like put a little whey powder in there to get the same sort of frothiness? I don't think so. Uh, we tried it once, and uh, our results weren't good. I think because the the I think the whey powder that's made is uh, I think it's been heated. I don't know. I don't know whether it's going to dissolve. Okay, let me let me put it this way. When you take uh, when you take milk washed liquor and you let it sit, whether you put it in the fridge or whether you put it on the shelf for a week or two, mm-hmm. you'll start seeing a flock flocculation, yeah. and that's the way proteins coming out of solution because they don't really want to stay solubilized in the liquor, right? Mm-hmm. And so my feeling is you might have trouble actively properly dissolving the whey powder into the booze. And I don't know. What do you think, Jack? I, I think that sounds right. It doesn't want to be there to begin with. And like any milk wash application really makes sense in a large format, like either in a bar setting or for an event or a big party, because you can only really use it for like five days or so. And then the, the whole milk washing process is dead because the whey flocks out. Right. But so. I'll, I'll give you the spec you should use at home. Ready? Yes. Everyone ready, peoples? Everybody ready for this? Here's a Dr. J recipe spec uh, for home use. Take yourself uh, 500 uh, grams of sugar. Take yourself 500 milliliters of uh, whole, 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 whole milk. Uh, Blend them together until the sugar is dissolved. Add to that uh, an ounce and a quarter, because that should be a little less than an ounce and a quarter, of 15% citric acid solution. That is 15 grams of citric acid uh, brought up to 100 uh, grams with water, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's roughly, uh, it's like two and a half times lime acid strength, two and a half times lemon acid strength. In this yeah. Stir that into the milk uh, syrup. It will immediately thicken. And that pre-thick, but it will not break. And that pre-thickening is what makes this not be grainy when you shake it and Mm -hmm. what stops it from ever breaking even after it's shaken. So now you have milk syrup. Remember, it's a little bit tart. Then I I would take acid-adjusted orange juice. The way to acid-adjust orange juice is for every liter of uh, orange juice, you will add 32 grams of citric acid and 20 grams of malic acid. Dissolve it. You now have lime strength. uh, What's it called? Orange juice. Yeah. Then you do your uh, two ounces uh, regular rum in this case. Mm-hmm. Then uh, three quarters on the milk syrup and three quarters. You might have to adjust a little bit. I have to test it because there's a little bit of acid in the milk syrup and there's a little bit of sugar in the orange juice. So I'd have to test it. But it's roughly three quarter, three quarter, three quarter. Yeah. Me personally, I tend to shy everything back as I get older because that's mm-hmm. me. But remember, don't shy too much on the syrup because the syrup is what's bringing you the texture in this case. Uh, and then add a couple drops of vanilla tincture and salt, right? Yeah, that's it. And then shake that sucker, and mm-hmm. it's very, very close to a milk wash Dr. J. Mm-hmm. And the milk syrup will last a long time in the fridge and can be made in any quantity and doesn't ruin yeah. any booze. That is a great product. All right. Oh, the one, thing I, the one right. thing I didn't say about the Struggler is stir, served up, no garnish. As all Booker and Dax drinks, yeah. no garnish. <laughs> no garnish, except no this garnish. Corsair, which had... A beer, uh, yeah. A, a beer, the Pony High Life. Yeah. The champagne That's appears. a great garnish. It's the best garnish. Yeah. You know, a little mm-hmm. mini beer. 
Uh, well, when we opened, we had a garnish. We had a horse head uh, peel when we opened, but we stopped real quick. I mean, we still had peels for things. But yeah, but that's not a garnish. I mean, yeah. I, I don't consider a purpose. It yeah, has a function. I don't consider functional garnishes to be yeah. garnishes. I, I went and worked somewhere else, Dave, and some people say that an aesthetic purpose is also a function. Like, if it looks good... But I'm like the Donald Judd. No, not really. I'm like the Rothko, maybe, of, of without the depression, I yeah. think. You know what I mean? Like, like, I like color. I like drinks that look mm-hmm. pretty. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. Right? But I don't, yeah. I don't like, I don't, I don't mind going to other places and, and having my drink hookered up. Oh, but, absolutely. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't like to do it myself. I was already agreeing before the, the terminology was set in stone, but I'll agree with you. No, he really agrees. What? 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 Term, I just I wasn't prepared for the term "hookered up," but well, strong. I mean, I don't know. Is that bad to say? Am I not allowed to say that? Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. All right, <laughs> it's, it's just a funny term. That's all. Well, you know, something where you're adding a bunch of stuff to catch someone's attention because you want to be perceived as an object, right? I mean, that's yeah. You now we're, now we're you wish dark. to be objectified. Or not you wish, but the, the, the system wants you to be objectified, so you add stuff <laughs> such that you are objectified. Anyway. Yeah. All right. We're with you on this. All right, all right. You never know. You never know. Like, people could take things the wrong way. Yeah. I don't want people to take things the wrong way. Uh, all right. Anyway, Matt, thanks for calling in. Thanks for uh, being a supporter. Thank you. No, thanks for the answers. That's great. All right, cool. Um, yeah. See you later. Um, Okay, so we have – I don't know who wrote this in because they added it to Nastasia late and she just sent me the email. I don't mm. have it, but it's a hot sauce question. No, I sent it to you. Nastasia's on the phone? I said hello and you said hello and then you I didn't like, couldn't tell it was you. <laughs> I thought it was like someone in the background. Yeah, I thought it was like I thought a someone drop in the background and yeah. Matt missed it being like, hello. I was pretty positive he didn't know you were on the phone. I was like, what? No, we had no idea. I, I uh, honestly thought he, that Dave dropped it hi, in. Jack. Well, hi, Jack. So we do have Nastasia the Hammer Lopez via telephone. I don't like the hookered up phrase. Why? Because it's like it's so sexist. Why is it sexist? Why are you talking about male hookers? If you if your point is to sell your body, yeah. If your point is to sell your body, not your point, but if if the point is your body is to be sold, then you augment it in a way that you are objectified. Okay. Well, how can a male hooker hooker himself? Uh, Real tight pants, showing the package, <laughs> like adding extra stuff to the package. Okay, okay. Well, like then socks? It's fine yeah. And we've all seen Spinal Tap, people. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to shove a cucumber in your pants as you're going through the uh, metal detector, do not wrap it in aluminum foil, for those of you that have not seen Spinal Tap, which is one of the all-time great movies. <laughs> it is. I love Spinal Tap so much. Our life is like the scene where they order the Stonehenge, Dave. <laughs> it really is. Oh, man. First of all, anyone out there who has not seen This Is Spinal Tap, first, first, I'm not saying you should go smack your mama in the face for not making you go see it. Smack yourself in the face, then go see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then watch the rest of the, the Christopher Guest catalog yeah. and have a great time. Although, have you seen Chicken People, the documentary Chicken People? No. It's like that, but it's... But it's real. But it's real. Whoa. No, no tongue in cheek. Just chicken people going to the Ohio Nationals, which is, in their own words, the Westminster of chickens. Oh. 
we got to go. Why haven't we been to the Westminster of chicken? Because we are low-quality individuals That's true. Un- all around. It's unfortunate, but true. Unfortunate, but true. That's like, you know what I missed this year? Bobby, mm. I missed Bobby Burns Day. I was, gonna, I was talking yeah. a big game about Haggis. Pr- frankly, I was depressed because I thought the bar would be open. And mm. uh, the new bar, whatever name it might have, if it, should it exist, will have a Bobby Burns Day with Haggis and bagpipers. Jack and I are going to learn to play bagpipe. You heard it here first. Jack and I are learning. As soon as we get, like, in the bar space, mm-hmm. I'm going to hire a bagpipe teacher to come in and teach anyone at our bar who wishes to learn to play bagpipes how to play bagpipes. And we will, to the to, as early as possible, be playing our own pipes at Bobby Burns Day to pipe in the haggis. And Dave is already pretty good. He's got some moves. Uh, well, okay, everybody, uh, can you name more than one? I cannot. Can you name more than one uh, rock and roll tune with bagpipe in it? Uh, uh, the whole Pogues catalog. Mm. No, and also ACDC stuff. Nastasia, you also, are correct. Yeah. Long way to the top Flocking if you want to rock and yeah. roll. Yeah. Also some Echo and the Bunnymen stuff. Really? Yeah, I think so. To me, long way to the top if you want to rock and roll is everything that is good about the bagpipe. Absolutely. Because it's meant to be, even though it's very simple bagpiping, mm. uh, so it's, bagpipers don't probably like it very much. In fact, last time I was in Scotland, I said to the bagpiper, I was like, Yo, you listen to Long Way to the Top if you're going to rock and roll. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, I'm so depressed. <laughs> because bagpipe is meant to be stirring. It's meant to mm-hmm. be stirring music, and that's a stirring song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's better as an accent ingredient than a, a lead instrument. Although, in Long Way to the Top, it, play, it, it takes the part of like that guitar hitting the whale. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like so, so right there. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. It's rough in Maine. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Anyway, uh, so we did not do Bobby Burns Day this year. No, because next year. Because we didn't exist. If we do, eventually exist. Yeah. Nastasia, what's your favorite hot sauce? Uh, just the, uh, I don't know, Cholula. Well, okay, strong. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jack? All right. Hot sauce is a, it's a category with subcategories. You know, uh, okay, okay, okay. I like Tapatio. Okay, if, if I want, like you're you know, a bartender. Eggs, you know. All right, all right. What else? I <laughs> use sriracha in some situations. What kind? Hot cock? Yeah, or, yeah. All right. Boy fong. Yeah, you know, it's standard. Uh, Tabasco has a place, and uh, then you know, sometimes I'll have a a crazy extra hot, you know, secret <coughs> secret basement hot sauce. I made hot sauce recently. Uh, my uh, my partner Mackenzie and I made hot sauce recently, and it was. Uh, we let it we let it go too long. It was a lacto fermented sauce, right. and it got super floral. That's and, bad. I mean, it, not not like over floral. It was aggressive. I'll bring you a bottle. We have way too much, and we're never going to go through. Right, it. like it's that. kind of coming back around. I tasted it again recently, and it was like, you know, this is a good point, people. When you have something that doesn't technically spoil, i.e., doesn't become unsafe, but changes over time, just because it goes in quotes bad. Don't throw it away. No, because it's getting better. It could get better again. Yeah. I've had this happen many times with many products. We also bottled and saved the brine, like the brining liquid, yeah. which is also funky and coming back around and is great dashed on like a salad or chicken or you know something that needs a little moisture. Nice. Mm-hmm. Dave, what's your favorite hot sauce? Uh, hard to say favorite, but I guess Cholula is probably a go-to. It's like, two Cholulas in one day. Yeah, that's, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Crystal, I like Crystal. Yeah, uh, Frank's. Frank's is yeah. Great. Frank's is good. Yeah. All right. So, but, so I'm here. I'm f- I'm hearing a favoring of like 
Southern American, Northern Mexican, vinegar-based, peppery stuff. Definitely, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, the question here is, uh, fan of the show wanted to reach out for a quick question. I've been making a lot of hot sauces for a couple of years. His name is Trafton. Okay, hey. I thought it came through. How do you do? All right. I've been making hot sauces for a couple of years and occasionally have issues with separation. Now, I have to admit, when I first read this, I was thinking emulsified sauces. Like, I was ma- I've been making, like, the hollandaise for a long time, and it was breaking. And then I was like, oh, hot sauce, not, like... Hot temperature Like, sauces. picante, yeah. like, as the Deutsch would say, scharf. You know what I mean? Like, hot sauce. Uh, by the way, did you know I once ate uh, uh, at the same falafel place for an entire summer the summer where i one of the summers where i was uh killing pigs at uh uh at um columbia presbyterian uh when i was working in the labs there the other summer was the summer that every day i had to have a blt to prove i could still eat pork while i was uh, working on the pigs (laughs) anyways so i'm sitting there and uh we're dealing with the falafel guy and literally i would set it's like the guy was like almost like my cousin because i would talk to him every day yeah all the only interaction i ever had with him was this falafel i would say that then he would say hot sauce i would say yes and then he would say nice day and that was it every day how do you know how much to pay i just watched the person in front of me and i think it was written on the cardboard on the falafel thing so i just would hand him the stuff there's never he never asked me for money i would just hand him the money dave i feel bad for your cousins if that's a cousin-like interaction (laughs) Well, I mean, in other words, like in terms of the frequency with yeah, which yeah, I, I saw. Know. I'm just, I'm just yeah, messing around. Hey, Jack, do you know about uh, Jen's dad and Jen's mom? No, I don't. I don't think so. What, what should I know? Wow, Nastasia pulling out some personal information now. All right, we'll get to that after I finish this question because I'm actually going to finish this question. Okay. All right. My process is to ferment the mash for a month. No water added. Just pepper, fruit, uh, koji, shio koji, and salt. Thin out with some vinegar, bring to a simmer, then Vita Prep to be Jesus out of it, which is a setting on the Vita Prep, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, occasionally, though, the solids separate out in the fridge and it just kind of looks unappetizing. Is there a technique to prevent this from happening, or should I just use a thickener like xanthan gum? Uh, if so, what percentage? All right, okay. Uh, I forgot to actually look up the percentage, sorry. Uh, but, but the trick with xanthan, when you're, by the way, the trick with using xanthan gum, first of all, I'm going to go into a couple of things. One, when you're working with uh, sauces, right, there's, uh, or anything really, when you're talking about there's stabilization and there's emulsification. These are two separate things. So you add, if you're going to have something that's separating because they are actually, uh, they repel each other, like oil and water is the classic, uh, or like air and water, anything like that where it automatically kind of repels each other. You need an actual emulsifier. Emulsifiers are what they call amphiphilic. In other words, they uh, have an affinity, aphilic, philia, ampi, you know, both for both water and oil. They're usually double-sided kind of molecules. And what those things do is actually lower the energy it takes to keep unlike things together. What sauces like this need is actually not an emulsifier, but a stabilizer. And what a stabilizer does is just thickens the stuff so that the solids can't separate out, or things can't separate out. So xanthan gum is a uh, stabilizer, which is what everyone uses in this scenario. Now, xanthan has the interesting characteristic that it f- 
hey, Nastasia, what's with the beeping? Uh, Xanthan <laughs> has uh, an interesting characteristic in that it forms a light gel that breaks when you move it. So that's why it's really good and can be used in very low percentages, but it's also why when you overuse it, everything feels looks like snot because it's a solid and then suddenly breaks free, so it looks like snot. It's terrible. And has a slimy, mucusy texture, which is terrible. Uh, so in general, you try to use it like, you know, in the quarter percent range uh, if you just want to do is stabilize. Any, anything above half and you're in serious snot range, so like quarter percent. Anyway, the trick with xanthan is this. Wait. Like, add the xanthan, stir it in, wait, wait. Let it fully, you know, stir it, hydrate it, let it put it in the Vita Prep when you're doing it, and just wait. If you add a lot and it takes like, you know, 15, 20 minutes and doesn't reach its full thickness for like an hour or something, then you could add now and later have snot, and that's not what you want. And I'll tell you the other secret on how to do this. The professionals, uh, commercial professionals who make things, know really well how to make stuff work. So if you have, and this goes for anything, not just hot sauces people, any of you out there that have cooking-related questions, whenever I want to know how to do something, the first thing I do is I find a product that is similar to what I want to do but is made professionally. I turn the can or bottle around, and I read the ingredients. So if you go back and you look at, for instance, Tabasco sauce, which is the only one I looked down there in the radio, which is similar to the ones you guys are talking about in, yeah. in what it is, mm -hmm. right? Tabasco sauce separates. Frank's uh, separates. All these guys separate uh, into rather unappetizing uh, magillas when they are left to sit around. So you shake the sucker beforehand, right? But they're mm -hmm. relatively low solids. That's why people don't get freaked out by it. Yeah. But if you look at the recipes for this, you have Tabasco. The ingredients are vinegar, pepper, Salt, right? So they add no stabilizer and it separates. Now, if you go to look at a higher solids brand where separation would be bad, let's say you were going to look at Sriracha, yeah. right? Uh, the ingredients there, and this is what I do. I go look at the ingredients. Mm -hmm. They have in it chili, right? So there is a high chili, right? Lower liquid, right? Yeah. So liquid, typically, if you have a very high liquid uh, um, preparation that has solids in it, People expect the solids to settle. They're not as uh, freaked out by it. If you have a high solids preparation and liquids settle out of it, A, it's harder to get the liquids back into it by shaking it, and B, people freak out a little bit more. Yeah. Anyway, so sriracha, uh, chili, sugar, because that stuff is sweet. Don't even want to fool sweet. you. Yeah. Garlic, then vinegar, then potassium sorbate and sodium uh, bisulfate. So that with those two things, one is an anti acting as an antioxidant, that's a bisulfate, and the sorbate is there to prevent mold growing in that sucker, right? Uh, then your boy xanthan gum is there. So they add xanthan straight up. And so like if it's good enough for like the billion-dollar hot sauce, yeah. probably good enough for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, if you want to look at more pasty things in some things, like if you take a look at uh, gochujang, right? Those are starched thickened. Or if you look at uh, like Szechuan broad bean paste, these are starched thickened. And so, you know, some brands of gochujang just use wheat starch because they're cheap and they want to make it fast. Some use fermented rice paste. You can use like, you know, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you want. But if you want a thicker thing like that, those are usually thickened and prevented by separating by actually using starch. Anyway, that's my answer. So my answer in general is find something whose characteristics you think are decent – but either you want to make your own or you want to make it in a less kind of industrialized way, 
figure out how they do it. That's the same thing. Like people are like, "How do you make a coconut cream that doesn't separate?" I'm like, "Have you looked at the back of a Coco Lopez can? <laughs> like the back of the Coco Lopez can is like a shotgun poop spray of freaking ingredients because coconut is a difficult material to work yeah, with." But Coco Lopez, delicious. Yeah, uh, you know what I wish. Here's what I wish. Anyone out there who works for the Coco Lopez Corporation, we're not talking about Nastasio, who I also sometimes call Coco Lopez, but like, <laughs> but like anyone out there, if you hear me, make for me a slightly less sweet version of Coco Lopez. Not that I think that your product is too sweet, but it's too sweet for me to use in a lot of preparations. If you made a low – for instance, I use Coco Lopez in drinks. I use Coco Lopez in sorbet bases because mm-hmm. I'm very lazy, and if I'm going to make a sorbet tonight, I'm not going to go through a big rigmarole. I'm going to get a can of Coco Lopez, but I'd like to be able to have a higher percentage coconut cream without all that dang sugar because the, the sugar load is so high yeah. that I have to scale mm-hmm. back my coconut. Uh, I have to drastically scale back my coconut. Otherwise, I overshoot my sugar bill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So okay, it's so- Dave, tell, tell, tell Jack about Jen's mom, Jen's dad. You know what? This is not a cooking-related question. But- I know, but it's so good. <laughs> tell it in two minutes. All right. Within two minutes. Go. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a long, long story. So I have a, I, I, I have a stepfather, Gerard, okay. right? And, you know, my stepfather, I've known him since I was three he, you know, he's basically he's he is a dad to me. Like I have my father, and Gerard is also like my father, right? So yeah. like, but because I knew him since I was three, and I was like, you know, I always just called him Gerard, right? But I always call my parents. So Gerard is like a title to me. Gerard is not like a name; it's yeah. like a title. He is your Gerard. He, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Got, yes. Right. Okay. So anyway, so like, yeah. So my kids call him Grandpa. All that, right? Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, it's a title. It became a yeah. title. But it happened because I knew him from when I was very young. So I called him Gerard before he was my stepfather because I knew him before. So this is, that's the, the background. So you don't go, go from calling someone. Anyway, so, right. so we're, at the, we're at this point, right? So then yeah. I start going out with uh, you know, my future wife mm-hmm. when I'm, I don't know, like 20, 20, 20, 20, right? So I start going out with him. And then just I never referred to her parents as anything, right? Literally never referred to them as anything. Not even their name. No, but not even like. No, never directly. I would never. I'd never directly. By the way, you can do this as a test. It's very easy to go through life not directly referring to someone unless you're working with them in a work environment. In a work environment, you need to be, yo, Jack. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't refer to you, it would be Mm -hmm. awkward, right? But in most uh, home. And personal settings, there is very, there's rarely, if ever, a need to refer to someone. And in fact, I think it's really weird when people overly refer to, to people in personal settings. When like when someone sits there and says your name to you over when they're talking to you, you're like, I can see you're staring at me. I know you're talking to me. You don't need to use my name. Like I know you know who I am. This is not necessary. Anyway, right. so so this is to set this to set the scene. So then, you know. A couple years later, we get engaged, we're, we're getting married. I still have never referred to them because, uh, first of all, like, I've always felt very close to them. Like, I always really liked them. Like, yeah. you know, they, they've mm-hmm. always felt like they're part of my family. Like, Jen and I were very serious, very fast. And so, like, you know, it was always kind of a, a serious thing. So I never really wanted to call them by their first names. Yeah. Right? Even your Gerard. Right, but that, but that, that, I'm just bringing that as a as a separate thing because okay. that's a part of my life that you need. So, like, I already have this weird thing with 
honorifics and and names, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not the kind of guy who normally thinks believes in calling your parents by their name, which is why I'm saying Gerard is a, a, a title, right? So then I have this new family, right, that I'm becoming a part of. They embrace me. I embrace them. What, am I going to call them by their first names? No, it's not respectful, I don't think, for me to call them by their first names. But at the same time, I'm not going to pull a mom and dad on them when I have Gerard over here and I'm calling Gerard Gerard. So I can't call them mom and dad because that's a slap in the face to Gerard, right? <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I can't – I'm not going to call them by their first name because it doesn't feel right to me. So instead – and bear in mind, I started going out with Jen in the year of our Lord, 1992, <laughs> all right? Good Valentine's year. Day, 1992. Is that why? Was that the year you were – I'm 91. 91, all right, okay. So I started going out with her in 92, and I have never once – ever referred to them at all. <laughs> I see them all the time. I see them all the time. Everyone's like, everyone's like, but what, but what if your father-in-law, what if your father-in-law was on fire? This is Nastasia. What if your father-in-law was on fire and you had to tell him, I was like, first of all, he's going to know he's on fire. Believe me, as someone no, no, who's no, caught no. on an fire. One, an easier one. All right. You and him are the only people in the house, okay? And the phone rings and it's for him. But he's on the other side of the house. How do you get him? It's for you! <laughs> what if there's two people in the house? Yeah. And they're both on the yeah. other side of the house. You, it's never ha- Hey, this has never happened. I go get them. Well, Not for You Dax. go get them. You go get them. Or let's say Dax is there. Get your grandpa. No. Right? <laughs> Or like you can always you always have someone next to you that you can use as a through furl. So you're like, if if Jen's there, you're like, hey Jen, your mom ba. There's always a through furl. It's not hard, people. The fact that you've developed so many workarounds rather than just having something to call these people is the most. It's one of the most Dave Arnold things that I have ever heard. It's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Nastasia, for, for bringing uh, this yeah, to light. It's fantastic. I, you know, it's not usual that we go this personal on the <laughs> cooking issues. I don't know how I feel about it. What do you think, Dave? Uh, a little personal, but I like it. Yeah. 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 Kit wrote in, "Hey, Nastasia, Dave, Dave, and also Jack." Although Kit did not know this. Uh, you think it's? Uh, I have a simple question regarding the lime acid and champagne acid recipes in liquid intelligence. What is your recommended uh, storage vessel? Glass cheaters. Yeah, just a glass bottle. Non-reactive. Yeah. Do I need to be concerned about UV light or a particular material? I mean, I wouldn't put it in a metal that's going to react with the acid. But Other than that, I mean, no. I mean, I've never done long-term storage yeah. in stainless, but I've done short-term, I mean, in tins and stuff. When I keep it at home, if I'm going to use it for anything, I just keep it in, like, a clear glass swing-top bottle, and I keep it in the fridge. Yeah. And Is there a time frame within which I should use the product once in solution? Uh, finally got my Searsol in November. Love it. Can't wait to buy a Spinzol. Thanks. Nice. Uh, speaking of which, Searsol's yeah. back in stock, people. All right. Uh, back in stock. Back. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, here's the thing. So, lime acid... I'm assuming you mean lime acid and champagne acid in things. Uh, champagne acid we tend to use on its own. It's, it's the weird one that we tend to use on its own. Yeah. It tends to come out of solution. Yeah. So it's got crystals. You'll see crystals in the bottom of it, sometimes a slight haze in it. It's still good. Shake it. Shake it. It's still good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, no, Dave. It's not back in stock. It just went off again. Oh. <sighs> 
people, we have our own ones coming that are going to be here in under a month, and we control when they're on when they're in stock. So boo, McYa. Anyway, so uh, back to the champagne uh, lime acid. So if the question is, is if you dope a fruit juice with uh, acid, what's its shelf time? And this is entirely subjective. Let me ask you a question, Kit. How long do you think orange juice is good for? And uh, or how long do you think or uh, grapefruit juice is good for? And the and then whatever that answer is, it's the same when you acid adjust it. So uh, like it doesn't I don't think change it much in one way or the other. So there are some people who think orange juice is only good right after it's pressed. And if you believe that, then the acid ain't gonna change it. But it, there are other people who believe orange juice lasts for weeks and lime acid ain't going to change it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing is, and I should never say this because uh, of something which I've referred to before, and I don't have time to get into it. If someone cares about it, ask me. I'll talk next week. The, the law of incremental crappiness. So, you know, in general, I try to organize my life around not violating the law of incremental crappiness, right? Not putting myself on that slippery slope to Drekland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... One of the things that I will incrementally crappy myself on, and when you do do things that are incrementally crappy, people, you have to put a big flag in it and be like, okay, I understand I've done something incrementally crappy here. Mm -hmm. Don't let yourself slide further. But uh, there's someone lit a match. Was that you, Dave? Or someone had a birthday cake? Smells like sulfur in here. Are we about to die? Uh, Yeah, luckily that exit isn't real, so. Okay, good. Uh, So the one thing I will say is, is that the quality of juice in a three quarters use as uh, an acidifier in a cocktail is not as important as when you're downing a glass of OJ. The OJ you use in uh, a shake on a three quarter basis, I don't think is as important as it would be if you were drinking. It's not that it's not important, but it's not as important as it would be when you're drinking a, uh, a glass of orange juice. If you can use high quality orange juice, use high quality orange juice. But I'm just saying. And mm-hmm. but where, where, whereas the three quarters of crappy over the hill lime juice, I think spoils the cocktail. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I'm gonna say about that. And anyway. the the adding of acid to the orange juice is it tricks your brain a little bit so that it's harder to recognize the quality of the juice after it's been acidulated. So that I think that's the reason that it matters less because you're not used to tasting orange flavor at that high of acid levels. Right. So. What do you say, Dave? Want to take a quick break? Uh, sure. Take a break. Back with more cooking issues. Heritage Foods USA is a farm-to-table online butcher and founded sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Foods got its start when Patrick Martin's first stepped foot onto Frank Reese's Kansas farm in 2001. Back then, Frank was the only farmer in America raising true heritage turkeys with recorded lineages tracing back more than 150 years. Patrick knew instantly he'd found a unique moment, an opportunity to go beyond acknowledging these breeds as being jeopardized and to actually do something to save them. Patrick asked Frank to ramp up production and made a promise to him that if he would raise them, Heritage Foods USA would sell them. 
That was the moment that Heritage Foods slogan, Eat Them to Save Them, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. Learn more at HeritageFoodsUSA.com and use the code HERITAGERADIO for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. So how do you track people to make sure they don't just re-sign up and get two free pork chops? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to talk to accounting about that. Yeah. Also, did you did you sample the banjo part from the Land of the Lost theme song? No, uh, but I can't say where it's from. Marshall, Will, and Holly, Routine Expedition, Greatest Earthquake Ever Known. <laughs> ever Known. That's a really good theme song, by the way. For those of you that don't know the original Land of the Lost, it is a very strong theme song. I feel that 70s theme songs, maybe it's because I was a kid, but I yeah. feel they were so strong back in the day. Gilligan? Gilligan. They were just more that was a little elaborate. Early, yeah. Yeah. Different Strokes. Oh, Different Strokes is great. Sanford and Son? Yeah. Rockford Files. By the way, I just listen to the Rockford Files and Sanford and Son sometimes on my, on my phone just to hear them because I think they're so good. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, where are those theme songs now? I don't know. I feel like the theme song is a lost art. I feel, yeah. yeah. You know, it's too know. bad. It's very, very too bad. Uh, speaking of, uh, not not too bad, speaking of the opposite of that, uh, you guys, uh, I just for the first time uh, a week or so ago went to the Brooklyn Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talked to you about this yesterday, Jack. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you ever been to the Brooklyn Museum? Uh, no, actually. I know Nastasia's never been because she hates Brooklyn. Uh, that is true. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Uh, but the Brooklyn Museum, turns out, is a fantastic museum. Like, it is a gem. It's awesome. In fact, they have a really cool uh, feature where we're in, they have live art historians. And you can, you can do their app, but I was like, hell no, I'm not downloading the app because they give you just a text number and you just, you're walking around the museum. You, you could take a picture of anything in the museum, text it to them and be like, hey, what's up with this? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, and they answer you live. Real art historians, they'll do the research, wow. ask their other art historians, and give you answers. So I was like, "Yo, this fallen angel, his sword's melted. What's up with that?" And they like they answer all this stuff. Wow! And it's like the coolest yeah. museum thing mm-hmm. I think I've ever experienced. The ability to have a live expert without having to go through that the monstrosity that is the walking tour of a museum. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like not that I you know if you give walking tours to museums, I'm sure your walking tour is great. And obviously Ben mm-hmm. Stiller needed that walking tour in night at the museum, so it's not all bad. But I'm saying, like, you know what I mean? I don't necessarily want to do that. So but on mm-hmm. your own time you can just walk around amazing amazing. Amazing. But uh, the reason to go there and the reason I'm talking about this for food is uh, through March 4th. They always have the main thing, but uh, th- so there's a, an artist, her name is Judy Chicago, and uh, her most famous work is uh, The Dinner Party, and it's this big triangular table with uh, plates on it, and it's representing the contributions that women have made uh, to like history, society, you know, mm-hmm. through history, starting with ancient times and going up to today. Now, uh, it's, and it's amazing, and it took like a lot of, uh, took a lot of work uh, and so every woman, there's, uh, I forget, it's like 400 women and they're represented by like 32 plates. And so the big triangle, ha- the names of them are all written on tiles on the floor and then the 32 or whatever representative people have their own place settings that's done personally for them, about them. And like, it's been, you know, there's a lot of modern criticism about it because the the women that are chosen are it's basically, you know, very Eurocentric uh, and very kind of uh, rich like skewed rich upper class 
woman at, at contributions. So like kind of classic second wave, like criticism of second wave feminism. But remember, yeah. it was done in the 70s. So, mm-hmm. you know, cut it some slack. I think a lot of people now, a lot of people make a mistake of trying to view things that were done before through today's eyes, which, you know, you should try to put yourself in the whatever. But it's a good criticism. Level the criticism so people know it's there. But I still think it's a thing you should go see. Still enjoy the work. Still enjoy the work. Yeah. Uh, but it- only through March 4th, they have an exhibition attached to it called The Roots of the Dinner Party where you can go see about it. And um, is there a caller or something? Let me say this one thing. There, one of the things I think is really interesting and we can discuss after whatever Dave is going to tell me, but uh, – and this has to do with restaurants. Not So it's not just dinner party like a, about you know food-related food show. But on the outside of the exhibition is a huge – and it was exhibited at the time with it, a huge mural of a picture of everyone that worked on the project and a bio of it. And I thought it was really interesting. This is why I was talking to Jack about it yesterday. An interesting idea in the 70s on how to still push your own brand, Judy Chicago, but give credit to everyone who's worked on a, on a project. And I yeah. think it's a, a very interesting time now in the food and beverage world about how, cr- how credit works what credit means, mm-hmm. uh, and how to give it to people. What are you going to say, Dave? Uh, sorry, I was just going to say we got time for one more question. we got five minutes. Five minutes? That's it. It's only 54 over here. Were you kicking me off beforehand? Well, we got a show at one o'clock. First he schedules someone, <laughs> and because I'm always late, he schedules someone in the slot right before us. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Not you could, cool. You, you could get here at noon. I mean, that's an option. I actually was here at noon today. Was no, I not? No, no, And no, then I had to late. wait for the show beforehand to get off. Yeah, all of like two minutes. Oh. Uh, You're you know, wasting time right now. You got time for one more question. Come on. <laughs> what am I going to do? All right, so listen. Uh, we got Nils from San Francisco. I don't know the answer, so I'm going to have people. Uh, Jack will know what book to look at. My question is about making my own vermouth. I keep a kosher diet, so I cannot use most commercial vermouths because they're wine-based. Unfortunately, the kosher market in this area is still small, and so there aren't any non-crappy options available. Do you have any advice recipes on making a vermouth in a home setting? Uh, thanks uh, for making my Tuesday commute so much more enjoyable, Nils. So do you, do you have any good books on making vermouth, Jack? No, I don't. Not on making vermouth, no. I mean... I've never I, made my own. I mean, I, th- I, I, mm-hmm. I have theories about how I could go around it, but I was hoping you would have a book. Chat room, hook us up. Hit me back on Twitter on a, on a good vermouth thing, and then we'll send it off to Nils on the next week. Uh, so Jeremy wrote me in about replacing my uh, range, but I guess I'll read that next week because I don't have time to even read it according to, uh, you know... Grandpa Dave over here kicking me off. So should I talk about... Uh, ex- I didn't make time. I just I- live by it. Oh! Should I talk about, uh, in the next couple of minutes, should I talk about tree exudates? Should I talk about... Whatever uh, you can do in three minutes. AirPods. 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 Not really cooking related. All right. Well, just- all right, here's my quick AirPod review, right? I like the AirPods. I just got the AirPods. This is a non-hipster's review of AirPods, right? Functionally fantastic. Makes calls a lot easier. By the way, mm-hmm. I'm not a believer in using earphones in the kitchen. You should never use earphones in the no. kitchen, I think. Lot, music playing is fine, but you need that. You need the call and response yeah. of the kitchen. Yeah, no earphones in the, in the kitchen. No, but, that's just but, severely but, dangerous. And, but anyway, so everything everyone says that the Air, AirPods are good for is true. Everything they say it's sh- crap for is true. This is my one point. If you use ear protection in your job, for instance, chainsaw helmets, they do not work well with chainsaw helmets. Ain't nothing worse than being <laughs> knee-deep in muddy Pakistandra garbage with a chainsaw, like tripping over yourself when it's wet and crappy outside, and then like having you know that antenna sticking out of the ear pods rip it out of your ear every time you flip the earmuff over the danged uh, things. Yeah. 
And this, by the way, this goes with anyone that uses two-stroke engines or is on a tarmac anywhere. AirPods, no good. No good. So quickly, in the two seconds I have left, tree exudates. Uh, I've been recently getting back on the frankincense. What are your thoughts on frankincense in cooking? I actually have no thoughts. I have no experience. No? No. My wife, Jen, hates frankincense. She's like... Too strong. She's like, she's like, smells like Catholic Church. I'm like, how do you know? You're not Catholic. Anyway, but like, I mean, she has been to Catholic Church. But point being, I, you think it's too strong, Stas? It's like, it's Catholic Church. Absolutely Catholic Church, yes. Yeah. Well, all right. What do you think on Kios Mastia? Mastica. You like that stuff or no? No, not really. Mm. Anyway, I'm here to make a pitch for tree exudates and other stuff that oozes out of things and solidifies and is used. This was super important stuff in the ancient Near East and, uh, you know, in Greece, that entire whole area there, super important. Think about all this stuff. When, G- when baby Jesus was born, two things that they brought that guy were tree exudates. You got your myrrh and you got your frankincense, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this, gum Arabic, all from this area. Uh, mana from heaven, tree exudate, right? Uh, you got your, uh, let's see, you guys said myrrh, you got your... Uh, sh- um, mummy, the word mummy. So mummy was originally an exudate out of the ground that was mistranslated as mummy, the the preserved human. Yeah. And that's why Europeans chummed up mummies and sold them to people to consume as a medicine. But another exudate. So I'm just going to make a small plea here for, uh, you know. Consider the exudate. Consider the exudate people cooking issues. <laughs> listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 